Thank you for tuning in to Valley Rise Church. We're so glad you decided to join us today. For more information on sermon series and service times, you can visit us online at valleyrisechurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Let's pray and we'll jump into it. Dear God, thank you so much for this time together. I pray that you would bless it. I pray that you would speak to us like only you can, God. Move our hearts and minds, bring revelation to our spirits. We ask Jesus that you would be here with us. None of it matters if we don't get to encounter you. We pray that you would speak to our hearts. Open the eyes of our hearts, God. Speak to areas that maybe you've been working on us in. Pray that you would bless us, be with us. Let us get closer to you and closer to people today. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. So hey, today we are starting our new series, Overflow. And the whole concept of this came out of, we don't want to live just a good life. We want to live a life that overflows. Thanksgiving is a time where we begin to take inventory of our lives and begin to see, hey, how are our things? Maybe some of you, this is a hard time for you. Maybe family isn't the best season of the year when you got to get around that table and there's hurts and wounds and, and it can be very tempting to be frustrated, to, to allow yourself to see all that you don't have. How many of you have that family? You, go, you don't want to go to Thanksgiving. You know, you dread going to Thanksgiving. Some of you are sitting next to that family. Y'all just kind of gave me like one of these. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, we all have that family. You go and you're just like, we're going to run in, five minutes, hug, kiss everybody, but Uncle Lester, he's a little weird, and then we're going to get out of there, okay? We all got those people. And I know that because I'm working with people all the time, I hear the holiday season is just really hard for us, Pastor. We're not excited about Thanksgiving. We're not excited. But I hope that in this series we can change perspective and we can begin to see, even in the midst of crisis and trials and family and drama and relational issues, that God can still allow us to live an overflow life and that we can be the change around us that we would wish that would so badly happen in our families, our friends, and those relationships. Hey, our theme verse for this series is Galatians 5, 22. But the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all its varied expressions. Joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, and a life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart, and strength of spirit. Never set the law above these qualities, for they are meant to be limitless. Hey, today I want to talk to you about joy that overflows. Joy that overflows. Here's a new thing we're going to do, just so y'all know, if you see, like, we didn't just put it in yellow because it looks cool. If it's in yellow, you're supposed to say it. That's what that means. Um, so, yeah, I should have told you guys that before, I, before we went through it. But if it's in yellow, you say it. If it's in black or white, I'll say it. Um, this is, I believe that in order to get to the rest of these things, you got to understand this first part. you got to understand joy that overflows because joy that overflows changes every single thing around you. I've often heard people preach about joy and they use this acronym, Jesus, others, yourself. Have you ever heard that? The key to joy is put Jesus first and then others and then yourself. And, and, and maybe that's true. I just think it's cheesy, but it was what came to mind when I thought of joy. But my question is, how do you have joy in the worst moments? How do you have joy in the moments where you're going to the Thanksgiving with people who've hurt you, people who've wounded you, family members that don't speak to you, people that have done you wrong? How do you have joy in the midst of pain and trial, betrayals and frustrations and hurts, 
When, when you're looking for a job and you can't find one, when life has let you down and you don't know where to go, how in the midst of those do you have joy? Because I'll tell you this, I've been in some seasons where if somebody said, you just need to be joyful, I'd say, you just need to be, and then a bunch of things that I can't say in church. I mean, maybe that's just me. But in my worst moments, I don't want to hear, be joyful. That's not what does it for me. I want, I want you to cry with me. I want you to be sad with me. I want your life to be equally as bad as my life in those moments. Am I the only person that's like that, okay? If I'm having a bad day, guess what? We all having a bad day. Everybody, nobody gets out of this. Everybody's having a bad day. Last night was one of those moments for me. I regret to inform you that I might not have behaved my best. Um, my wife, I cooked a big gumbo this week. I don't know if you saw that on Instagram. It was amazing, probably the best gumbo I've ever made. And we ate it for a small group, marriage small group. It was awesome. The next night, we make some more, because Cajuns, you eat a gumbo for like a week. And you don't even put it in the fridge. You just put it outside when it's this cold. And it's always better on the second day. So we get it out the next day. Mama makes a big pot of rice. We eat some of it. Well, uh, Mama doesn't realize that you're not supposed to put all the rice down the drain with coffee grounds and liquid cement. Um, so last night, I'm in the bedroom watching football, okay, and enjoying my life. I was joyful. I had joy. It was great. Everything was perfect. And then I hear a, a, a commotion happening um, in, in the kitchen. And so they're yelling for me, and that's normally not good. And so I go in there, and there is water everywhere, water under the sink, water on the kitchen, so like water on the counter, everywhere. And I'm like, what, what happened? She said, I don't know. I don't, I, don't, I don't know what happened. So I'm looking, and it's just like, it's like more rice than water coming out of this thing. And I'm like, did you put all the rice down here? And she said, I always do this. I'm like, you do not always do this or else this would always happen. Like this, you can't put rice down, mama. She's like, I didn't know that. So I start, you know, I start trying to take, taking stuff. And if you've never taken the pipes off of underneath your sink, okay, I encourage you highly, don't do it. Just hire somebody to do it. It was miserable. There was like stuff that like from the previous owners in there. I'm like, is this the deed to the house? How did this get in here? Why is it? There was more stuff in there that I had not, I don't even know where it came from. I think it was a mouse. I don't know. It was like, I'm shop vac and everything. My shop vac was shaking. I'm like, oh God. Uh, so finally get all the pipes are dried off. I have a little coat hanger. I'm trying to get everything out of. It's just rice, 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 rice. Put everything back together. Turn it on. Still overflowing. God, okay, I'm going to go get some Drano, go to Walmart, get some Drano, come back, put the Drano in, let it sit for 20 minutes, turn the water on, it's still overflowing. Now, there's a cap underneath that has popped off when the pressure got too much, and so I'm monitoring if it's draining or not by if the water in this thing is going up or down. And so I have my hand on it, so I tell my wife, hey, turn the um, garbage disposal on and off real quick. I just want to see what it does. Turns it on and off real quick, okay? One more time, all right? One more time, all right? Still, now I'm seeing it's not helping at all. It's going to overflow. So I go, all right. I get up and walk away. And who knows? Maybe one day she'll explain it. She decided we should turn the garbage disposal on again. And it went everywhere. The whole kitchen again. After we had just cleaned up. The whole house still smells like drainage, by the way. The whole kitchen is now. And I'm looking at her. And she is so rattled. She still is not turning it off. She's just standing there looking at me. And I'm like, you ever have those moments where you look at the person you love the most and just go, why would you do this to me? Like, why? What did I do to deserve this? I just, and I'm looking at her going, I'm literally, this is our conversation in the kitchen. Why? Why? Why are you doing this? And she's standing there. It's still on. She's going, I don't know. I don't know. 
I'm like, turn it off. She's like, I don't know if it's off or on. I'm like, the water's everywhere. It's still on. It's everywhere. <laughs> if it was off, I wouldn't be doing this. I love Mary. Isn't Mary awesome? I just need to repent before I started preaching today that there were some things in my heart at that moment. I was not joyful. There was no joy in the house. I looked at her. Husbands, don't look at me like this, like, like you don't do it. I looked at her. I just said, you should go to bed. You should just, now's the time. I'll do with this. You just go to bed. <laughs> there was no joy in that moment. If she'd have looked at me and said, baby, come on, just be joyful. She would have joined the rice, okay? She would have, it would have been a bad night for all of us. Because in those moments, when everything is funny now, I promise it was not funny last night. I had to repent this morning. I had to wake up and go, hey, listen, I'm sorry. The rice debacle. I should have said some things I probably shouldn't have said. And, you know, I'm sorry. I, just, I had to clear my conscience before I came to preach to y'all. It's pretty much the, the moral of the story. In those moments, there is no joy. There is no, when life is hectic, when kids are sick, when marriage is tough, when things are falling apart around you, when finances are tight, when the devil's attacking you, there is no joy, it seems. There's no reason to be joyful. Definitely not a reason to overflow with joy. That word overflow is such a tricky word because we say it and, and, and we think we know what it means. Overflow, you know, just it's more. It's more than enough. I looked up some synonyms because I'm smart. Overflow. Deluge. A flood. A spate. It's a good word. You put that in your vocabulary. A spate. A torrent. A torrent. Hey. <laughs> Uh, last night, I'm looking at these words, and as I'm wrapping up a message, and, and I was at the office, and the team's around, and, and it had the pronunciation button. You guys ever press the pronunciation button on, on Google, and it'll say the word for you, because I wanted to make sure I was going to say it right for you guys. And, and so it said, I knew how to pronounce it, but I was just being funny. And so I hit it, and it says, torrent. And I said, wells. And it says, torrent. And I said, wells. And it says, torrent. And I said, wells. And everyone in the office is going, what are you doing? And I just keep pressing it. And I just keep saying, wells. And it says, torrent, wells, torrent. Well, you guys know Torrent Wells, the worship leader? He's a buddy of mine. So it's funny. And everybody's like, why? It was a good five minutes going on before they're like, why do you keep doing this? And I'm like, until you guys get it, I'm just not going to stop. <laughs> Moral of the story is a torrent is a tumultuous outpouring. A tumultuous outpouring. Joy in moments where everything is going wrong does not feel like a tumultuous outpouring of good things. I don't feel like that. But can I tell you something today? Feelings aren't faithful. Can you say that with me? Feelings aren't faithful. Feelings aren't faithful. You know what that means? That means how you feel right now, you will not feel that way tomorrow. And how you feel tomorrow, you won't feel that way in five years. And whenever I talk to people who are wrestling with depression or wanting to hurt themselves or suicidal thoughts, here's what I always tell them. Have you ever been happy before? And they'll say, yes. Okay, you remember that time? Yeah, tell me about it. My grandpa, we were fishing, and it was a great memory. Awesome. Hey, you know what? You're going to have more of those times in life. And when you react emotionally to a situation that's taking place and you make a decision that will affect your forever, what you're saying is, I'm going to feel the way I feel right now for the rest of my life. And it's not true. It's a lie from the enemy because feelings aren't faithful. However, here's what I do know. Is that feelings will 100% of the time follow your choices. Say this with me. Feelings follow my choices. 
You know what that means? When I choose to go in a direction, I am setting the dial for my emotions and my feelings to follow that direction. When I choose to be mad, I'm allowing my emotions to be set on this. And you ever, if I could make all of you mad right now, think of someone who's hurt you. Think of how wrong they did you. Think of when they stabbed you in the back. Immediately you start going, yeah, they, they did do that to me. I do hate them. We should kill them right now. Like this is, why? Because your choice to set your mind on it sets the direction that your feelings will go. But the good news is that works the other way too. And when I set my feelings on the good things, when I set my feelings on the fruits of the Spirit, when I set my feelings on all that God has done for me, it gives me joy in situations that seem joyless. It gives me hope in situations that seem hopeless. I was having a conversation with a girl in our church one day, and she was going through a dark time. She was frustrated. She was depressed. She was dealing with some things that all of us deal with at times. And I said to her, sitting on my couch, hey, do you know that you can choose to change your attitude? You can choose to change what you're feeling right now. And she said one of the most honest things, I'm so thankful that she said, because I think this is our answer to ourselves a lot of times, even though we know we can choose to change what's going on. She said, I know, I just don't want to. I just don't want to. And it seems shocking when you hear it, but how many times do we wake up in the morning feeling like that and just go, you know what? I want to sit in this today. I'm cool with this. Why are you so grumpy? Because today is November 2nd grumpy day. I just want to be. Because it's harder oftentimes to set our emotions and set our feelings and set our mind on something than it is to allow it to just set itself. Your mind will set itself on something. Make no doubt, your mind will set itself on something. I promise you. You'll get in the car on the way to work. You'll hear something on the radio. Your mind will naturally go there. I've talked to y'all before about how I hate when they do on the radio the, the calls where they try and catch someone like, like, did you send roses to the wrong person? Or I'm like, why do you even start my day like that? Like I start my day off listening to somebody else getting betrayed? That sounds horrible. I don't want to start my day like that. Your mind will set itself if you don't set your mind. And when you set your mind, your feelings will follow your choices. Your feelings will follow your choices. I want to give you an example of this because I know sometimes people preach this and it seems difficult to understand. How do I actually do this though? And listen, this is something all of us are learning. Me and my wife had this exact same conversation. This, this message came out of a conversation with my wife three weeks ago. Okay, this is how this works. Same day. I want to give you the same day. And how this happens in two different ways. All right, let's put the first one. You wake up in the morning, didn't sleep well. How many didn't sleep well last night, even though you got an extra hour? You wake up in the morning, you didn't sleep well. How many know when you don't sleep well, getting out of that bed feels totally different? When the kids get in bed with you, they're laying up on you, one arm's numb, you've been kicked in the crotch three times while you're trying to sleep. You're just like, why, why me? Go to your mom. No, she looks peaceful. I'm like, what? <laughs> didn't sleep well. You get out of bed, frustrated. God, I didn't get to sleep good. Next. The kids aren't listening. Come on, nothing makes me more mad than when you get up, you didn't sleep good, and you walk out, and you're like, hey, go get dressed for school. And they're like, I don't want to go to school. I'm like, well, I don't want to be your father today, but you know what? We're both going to do something we don't want to do right now, okay? <laughs> Just make you mad. Nobody's listening. I shouldn't have got out of bed. Should have let it be her morning. Why would I have to do this? Next, you get in the car. How many of you, the car was cold yesterday? 
I've gotten the car sometimes, and I'm just like, why don't no one's smart enough to invent a way that the car just heats itself? Like, why? I know you have the start before or whatever, but I'm just saying, it feels like the car should know. I'm going to get up at 7 in the morning and get in it, and it needs to be hot for me, okay? The car's cold. Get frustrated with it. Next, you burn dinner. You come home. You had a bad day. You didn't sleep good. The kids weren't listening to you. You got in your car. It was cold. You burn the dinner. You're frustrated. Kids sit down, and now you know they're going to be like, why does it look black? This isn't how it normally looks. This doesn't look good. How am I supposed to eat this? I'm like, when I was a kid, we did, you ate whatever. You just ate it. I'm one of five boys. You ate whatever mom put on the table. And if you didn't, you just didn't get to eat that day. Like, you were, you, that was it. That's all you had. Lastly, you're exhausted at the end of the day. You get in bed. Most of us would call this a bad day. My kids didn't listen. I didn't get to sleep good last night. I'm exhausted. I got to go to sleep early tonight. I didn't get to sleep last night at all. If you're like my wife, only slept nine hours. Only got nine hours last night. Nine hours? I thought, I thought you only need seven, but they weren't good hours. So I just. <laughs> She's not that much of a diva. She's good. I'm going to get in trouble after this. This is, this is about the rice. <laughs> I texted her this morning. I said, she said, I'm so sorry. I just feel horrible. It's an accident. I said, yeah, I'm going to feel real bad when I accidentally spill grape juice all over your whites. And I don't know how it happened. I don't know what happened. I just. <laughs> and I repented for that too. Okay, I did. It was a joke. I put a LOL at the end to let her know I was joking. At the end of the day, you're exhausted. You're done. The day's bad. Nobody's listening to you. You burned dinner. You had this horrible commute. You get in bed. I just want to restart my day. How many of you have had days like that? How many of you have had, how many of you have had days like that this week? Let me, let me give you the, the, the fix, the remedy for this. Okay, go to the next list. Number one. Thank God I woke up today. When I'm tempted in the mornings to wake up and go, I didn't sleep good. The first thought in my mind is, thank God I woke up today. God, your mercies are new every day. It doesn't matter how my day started, God. I'm going to go spend time with you. I'm going to restart my day right now. Thank you, God, that I woke up. Somebody died in their sleep last night. Some kids woke up and their parents weren't there. Somebody, thank you, Jesus, that I woke up this morning. Number two, thank you, Jesus, I have healthy children. You know what I think when my children are running around, they're not listening, they're making noise upstairs, and I get so frustrated, and I've told them a hundred times, if I have to yell up there one more time, one more time, one more time, they're like, Dad, you said that four times ago. I'm like, that's it, you're getting, everybody's getting spanked. <laughs> How many of you, that's me. Sometimes I do that, I'm just like not good with it. I'm like, I, I swear if I yell, if I yell this loud one more time, it's like four times later. I think, thank God I have healthy children. They're up there playing. Thank God that they're, that they're love getting along and they play great together. And sure, we got to work on it. Sure, they need to obey. Sure, they need to listen. But thank God that I have children that can run around and make noise. Because there's people out there praying to have a child that are dying to have a child that would do anything in the world to have children running around their house and making a mess. Thank God I have children that are healthy. Number three, get in that car and it's cold. Let me tell you what my thought always is. God, somebody's walking to work this morning. Thank you, Jesus, that I have a car that gets me from point A to point B. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, I'm not walking in this cold. Thank you, I'm not riding a bike to work in this cold weather. Thank you, somebody out there is, and I'm so thankful, God, that I have a vehicle to be able to get me where I need to go this morning. Number four, praise God, my children will eat tonight. 
yeah, you burnt the dinner. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's pizza. Maybe it came late. Maybe you messed it up. Maybe the recipe didn't work out, moms. But guess what? There's families out there tonight not eating at all. Praise God that your children get to eat tonight. That whatever the situation, on our worst days, listen, you want to talk about poor, start planning a church. Okay, that's, that's number step one to get really poor. I've, we've come home and asked, what are the kids going to eat? I go, we got like cornbread, we got like ground beef, we got like some noodles, we're going to put it all in a bowl, and we're going to eat it. Because guess what? Some people ain't eating anything tonight. Some people are laying on the street going, I would kill to have some hot cornbread. Praise God that my children will get to eat tonight. Number five, end of the day, you lay in bed, it's been rough, it's been long, you're tired, you didn't sleep well the night before. Thank God that I have a full day, that I'm home safe, that all my family is under the same roof together safe. Thank you, Jesus. It's, it's a prayer I pray every night. I lay down and I begin to just think of that roof as God's protection and covering and thinking somebody is laying outside right now looking up at the stars thinking, God, I would give anything to be under a roof right now. I would give anything to be in a bed right now. Thank you, Jesus, that my family is under the same roof and that they're safe. What a day. What a day. Isn't it crazy the difference your perspective on what you're walking through can change your joy? It can change your joy. What you set your mind on to will 100% change your joy. Jesus shows us this in Hebrews 12. Do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on, that's, he's talking about in heaven, all of the, 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 those who've gone before us that are cheering us on in this race we run, it means we'd better get on with it. Strip down, start running, and never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it. Okay, so now he's going to tell you how Jesus did it. Because think about it. Jesus had a lot that he could have looked at and said, like, I got a raw deal. Jesus was God and had to wait 30 years to be God. Okay, imagine being the boss and then having to wait 30 years to tell everybody you're the boss. <laughs> There's a book when I was in uh, theology school that uh, it's the book, it's called the book of Thomas. And it was, a, it's not a real book. A guy wrote it after the Bible was written and tried to get it into the Bible. And it's, it's like, he writes these stories about Jesus as if Jesus were like a normal child. So like Jesus is playing with his friends and somebody threw a rock and it hit Jesus. And then Jesus struck the kid dead. And then Mary came out and was like, you can't do that. So that he brought the kid back to life. Like it's literally a bunch of stories like that. They're, they're great. They're not true, but it's, it's funny to think of Jesus in, those, in that perspective. But let's, have, let's see how Jesus did it. Because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way. Anything. Think of that. He could put up with anything along the way. The cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor right alongside God. When you find yourselves flagging in your faith, Go over that story again. Item by item, that long litany of hostility he plowed through, that will shoot adrenaline into your souls. That will shoot adrenaline into your souls. You know what he says? Another version of this says, because of the joy set before Jesus, he endured the cross for you and me. Because of the joy set before Jesus, think about how much joy would have to make you want to go through what Jesus went through on the cross. Like, I love all of y'all. Not enough to do that. <laughs> I love my kids. 
it'd still be tough. <laughs> I'm not saying I wouldn't do it, but I probably wouldn't be happy about it. <laughs> because of the joy set before Jesus. That Jesus goes, I can endure all of this. You know why? Because I know what is to come. Our, our parents' generation understood this. Our grandparents' generation understood this. They didn't have all of the luxuries we had. And they would sing songs about the sweet by and by. One day, swing low, sweet chariot. One day, I'm going to be with Jesus. One day, I'm going to be in heaven. One day, all of this will be worth it. And Jesus says, the way that I got through everything I walked through, betrayals, hurts, lied about, cursed, uh, turned on by the people that said they loved you the most, crucified, spit on, gave his life to serve people, and all they did was hurt him back. And he says, the way I got through all of it was because I could see what was at the end of this race. I could see what's at the end of this race. I've learned that having that perspective is rare. My personality type is a personality type where I naturally have that perspective. My, my, my friends, my wife, some of our, that's not their, per, their personality to look that way. And we have conversations where I go, yeah, but one day it's all going to be worth it. Because of the one day, it's easy to walk through the tough days. Because I know one day we'll stand before Jesus and he'll look down and say, well done, good and faithful servant. That moment makes all of it worth it. It makes the rice worth it. It makes the frustrating times in marriage worth it. It makes the raising the children when they're frustrating and don't listen and you wish you didn't have them. It makes it worth it. It makes all of the bad moments worth it. When you realize where I'm ending up at is more joy than I could ever imagine. And when I said yes, it's a great place to clap. When I set my mind on that, all of a sudden, I get very joyful. All of a sudden, my circumstances that I'm walking through pale in comparison to the idea of standing before Jesus. All of a sudden, the frustrations of this life that can sometimes weigh me down, I go, you know what? It's not even going to matter. It's not even going to matter. When the mortgage company's calling, I saw a meme the other day, and it's the guy who goes, hey, Jesus said he paid all my bills. Y'all call him. Late on a bill, frustrated at work. Guess what? Set your mind on Jesus. Because one day you will stand before him and you won't be thinking about the water bill. You won't be thinking about the coworker that didn't like you. You won't be thinking about the drama your kids are putting you through. You will be thinking about, I get to spend eternity with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That brings me joy. Joey, as I close, you can come up. I think it's interesting, the wording that they use here. Joy that overflows. Joy that overflows. As I was praying about this and thinking about this and writing this message, I had an interesting thought. This word overflow, deluge, flood, torrent. When you think of these words, you think of a flood. You think of, you think of Harvey. How many watched Harvey and, and how many were in Harvey? I mean, how many, how many saw it sweep things away and saw... I remember when I, I remember the first time I understood the concept of, of how powerful water was, that, that, that flow of water was. I was in the Air Force. It was Hurricane Gustav. Um, they canceled work. I, I was stationed in, um, in like Destin, Florida on the beach. It was, it was tough. You should feel bad for me. Um, fought in the battle of spring break 07. I didn't know if I was going to get out. It's a lot of sororities. And I was like, I don't know if I'm going to make it out of this. Um, I was stationed there, 
And me and my buddy decide we want to go surfing Hurricane Gustav, okay, because we're young and stupid, and what else are we going to do when the base is closed? So we get our surfboards, and we go out there, and the only way to get out, because the water was so, it was, it was insane, it was a hurricane, and the water's coming in, and we couldn't swim out to surf, so we had to get on the jetties, and jetties are these big rocks that go way out into the ocean, and we had to get on the jetties and kind of like hold our surfboards and hug the jetties and walk out, and then when we got to the end, we'd jump in and surf back in, and it was about a half a mile of these rocks, and so um, we, we get out there, and he started saying something to me that was weird. He grew up on the beach. I did not grow up on the beach. I grew up in the swamp. And he would say, hey, when the water comes, when you're standing on these rocks and the water comes, jump. And I'm like, why? He's like, if not, it'll just it'll wipe you out. And it was like little water. It wasn't like, like the water that was coming up on the rocks where we were was small amounts of water. It was kind of splash off. And I'm like, that doesn't that make any sense. Okay, well, don't listen to me. Just stand there next time. See? And so some waves came, and I'm like, okay, you know, I brace myself. When I tell you it was like I was on ice, I could have been holding a 1,000 pounds on my hands. That water swept me off my feet so fast. And I was like, how is this even possible? He goes, it, it's how it is. Once it separates you, okay, it's gone. And no matter what I did, when the water came, I could not stay on the rock that I was on. It would sweep me right off. Okay, that, the finish of that story is for a different day, but I'll tell you it another time. And as I'm writing this, I'm thinking... An overflow of joy, a deluge of joy, a flood of joy will move things that nothing else in your life can move. When you understand what joy does for you, it will begin to move obstacles that you could never move yourself. You ever try to push a car? You ever try to push a car sideways? No, it'd be stupid. None of us could do it. You see the floodwaters take a car sideways, 18-wheeler, gone. Not even a big deal. Like it was nothing. Because a flood of something will move things that nothing else can move. When you learn what a life of overflowed joy looks like, the situations that you encounter in life begin to move differently than when you're trying your hardest to move them. They begin to move differently when you go, I don't know how we're going to get through this, but thank God for the joy set before me. One day I'm going to be in heaven, and now this obstacle seems very small. I don't know how I'm going to deal with this coworker, but guess what? One day I'm going to stand before Jesus. I, I don't know. That pales in comparison to standing before my boss. I'll never forget. God built this into me. I don't know why. Maybe he knew this is what I'd do. I remember getting called into my commander's office one time because I did something stupid in the military. And not really stupid, just everything you do is stupid in the military. And so I'm standing there, and I'm, I'm scared to death. It's like my first year in, first time I've ever had to go before a commander. I'm like, do I salute? Do I not salute? I'm trying to forget everything I knew. I'm sweating profusely in my dress blues. I mean, just, and I had a moment in the midst of it, a moment of clarity where I remembered in my heart, one day, none of this is even going to matter. One day, I'm not even going to care about standing before this guy because I'm going to be standing before the one. I'm not worried now about standing before my commander that has some rank and a little more time than me. When I realize that ultimately we'll all stand before Jesus. And the rank that I have before Jesus is going to be what matters. Not who I stood before, not the frustrations, not the, but did I keep my eyes set on the only thing that could change my circumstances? Did I find my joy in the only one who could move the immovable? Did I set my heart, my hopes, my dreams, my feelings, my emotions on him? Because in him is an overflow of joy. 
In him is the overflow of all of the rest of the things that we will talk about this month. But if you don't understand the source of it, you'll never understand how to get it. And the source of it is, set my eyes on Jesus, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. You know what Jesus' joy set before him was? It wasn't just him being with the Father. He had already been with the Father. It could have said the joy set behind him because he was already with the Father. Why the joy set before him? Because you're the joy set before him. He knew he had to do what he was going to do so that you one day could be with him. So the joy that he had was watching what we're all doing right now. This was the joy set before him. This was the joy. This was him going, because I do this, the world will be different. Because I do this, families will be restored. Because I do this, children will grow up in a safe home. Because I do this, the poor will be reached. Because I do this, the hurting will be helped. Because I do this, people will learn how to pray. Because I do this, joy will come out of my decision more than what I can even imagine. I want to tell you today, no matter what situation you're in and no matter what you're walking through or working through, joy is going to come out of your situation. Joy is going to come out of your situation. Joy is going to come out of your situation. Set your eyes on the only thing that can move the mountains and watch how God transforms you from the inside out. Would you bow your heads with me? God, we're so thankful. We're so thankful, Jesus, for who you are, that you did set joy before us, just like it was set before you. We now have the joy of being able to see you one day. Jesus, your joy was being with the Father and having us with y'all. Our joy is being with you. Today, God, I pray for a supernatural overflow of joy upon each and every person here. God, I pray that you would do what only you can do. God, that as we set our mind and our emotions on you, that we would begin to see life change happen around us. That as we set our heart on you, we would begin to see the world differently. God, we don't want to follow our choices. We, want to, we don't want to follow our feelings. We want to set our feelings. We want to choose to look at you and then our feelings follow. Jesus, it's all we want. We want to be with you one day. Let us never in the midst of the frustrations of life forget that one day we will stand before you. with every head bowed and every eye closed, there may be some of you here today that say, Christian, that sounds awesome, but I've never experienced that joy. I've never experienced that joy. I've never encountered that relationship with Jesus that would give me that kind of joy. But today, I want to start that relationship. With every head bowed and every eye closed, this is between you and Jesus. I just want to pray for you. If that's you and you say, Christian, today, I want to make that decision. I want to start that relationship with Jesus. Would you just slip your hand up for me so I can pray for you? Amen. Amen. And we're going to pray, and you can pray this out loud. You can pray it in your heart. My only ask is that you mean it. Dear Lord Jesus, today I come to you. I realize that you are the source of all that I need. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you came from heaven to earth to live a perfect life. Then I believe you died on the cross. A price I should have paid. 
so that I wouldn't have to. I believe on the cross, you paid my sin bill. And then I believe on the third day that you rose from the dead to give me new life and freedom in you. Today, Jesus, I choose you. I choose to love you, to serve you, and to follow you. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. Hey, would you give a hand to those that just made the greatest decision of their lives? Thanks for listening to this week's message. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram using at Valley Rise Church. We hope you enjoy today's message and we'll see you soon.